Welcome to Shaky Sports Journeys, um, another podcast coming your way today. Um, something totally different. It excites me every single time when I, I, I just put, I just recorded with a vol- an Olympic volleyball player. That was a first for me. Um, but this is a first as well. I'm quite excited about this because I've got a bit of a lifelong, I'm a lifelong fan of this industry as well. Uh, but a welcome to the podcast. Um, Amar Jamil, Amar Jordan, sorry, um, wrestling name, also known as uh, your your rightful name, which is Bilal. Uh, but this uh, this young man is a, a wrestler who's been in the WWE, um, came from the the WWE NXT um, upbringing. We're going to hear all about it today. So, how are you doing, brother? Alhamdulillah, I'm all right. Salam alaikum. Wa alaikum salam. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm really looking forward to this. Yeah, I'm really good, really good. So, Sat up in uh, Newcastle. Bit cold now, so <laughs> I can imagine it's a bit colder in Glasgow, though. You should get you know, yeah, yeah, I bet a few hours. Up. <laughs> we know you've been here, I know you've been here a few times, so definitely colder here. But look, we'll go on a bit of a, a life life journey today, and we'll, we'll, we'll chat through all different kind of routes that you've uh, you've taken. You've got a very interesting story, but talk to me about your background, where you were born, where you grew up, family roots. Talk to me. Yeah, so I was born in Pakistan. I was born in Karachi, Pakistan. So um, I lived there from the ages of being born till four. Um, so I obviously don't remember much about about that upbringing ever, ever so slightly. But basically, we moved to the UK in 1994 when I was four years old because my uh, my biological father actually passed away from uh, leukemia. So you know, Sorry to my mum she had she had my two older sisters and myself and you know she was married when she was 15 arranged marriage you know never got a chance to get an education and stuff so she was kind of a bit you know a bit we were we were in trouble to be honest with you we were actually close to being in poverty and you don't want to be in that situation in a place like Karachi do you know what I mean um so basically yeah like she ended up getting married to my dad. She got lucky, to be fair. And, you know, we we, we all moved over to the UK because my dad was working at, um, as a doctor at the time for the NHS in the UK. Um, so, yeah, and then obviously I had my upbringing. We moved to Dewsbury, West Yorkshire. Um, so that was a good, that was, again, for me, it was a, it was a culture shock because it was, it was in the mid nineties. So I was, you know, I, I didn't even know any English when I moved to the UK. I knew like yes and no. And I was brought up speaking Urdu, right? Um, so I'm there trying to play with the kids, trying to connect with these kids. And mid nineties is, it's, you know, it's one of those times where there was a lot of racism going about and there was a lot of, there was a lot of troubles that I had to face growing up. But um, it was, you know, it was, it was a big culture shock moving to the UK. But yeah, like that led me to, that led me. Um, that led me to settling, settling in the UK for yeah, the rest of my life. I mean, yeah. I know I know of some people who have moved when they're like 10, 11, 12, 13, which I imagine is even tougher because then you've already kind of, like you say, you've really set in your language. You've been through a school system. Um, you know, yeah. it's very hard. You kind of probably, in some ways, and I know it was very sad circumstances, but you know, like a sugar, you and your family. Um, were able to to move forward, and you know your mum found happiness, and you've all been mm-hmm. able to come over and and have and, and continue on with your with your life. But you were obviously still quite young, so I mean you've picked up the accent, no problem. I mean uh, you you don't you wouldn't think that you're uh, that you're born in born in Pakistan. But then how did you find 
your your school years? What kind of interest did you have? And what was it like around Dewsbury? Yeah, so, I mean, it was, you know, our, we, we were, like I said, we were lucky because we went through so much whilst being young, but then we got into, like, a good settled environment where, you know, we could go to school, we used to go to mosque in the evenings, and it was very, you know, my, my uh, stepdad, who basically, I, I don't call him my stepdad, he's my dad, but yeah. he taught us, you know, he, he, he was very strict, and we had a strict regimen and stuff, like, we used to, you know, we used to wake up, go to school, come back, eat, go to mosque, do your homework and all that stuff, so, you know, that that growing up in, in in a system like that taught me a lot about uh, discipline right um but in the outside world obviously i was you know i'd, I'd, I'd play out with the kids i learned about football i was like what, what, what's this new thing and i started getting a lot of uh, interest in football um and uh and then like my dad would watch like india pakistan games i think he was watching looking back at it now because i'm a cricket nerd he was watching the independence cup india pakistan in 97 yeah. Um, and that's when I first started watching cricket. So I got into a lot of sports as well. And, um, you know, a big part of it was like, I'll be honest, it was it was difficult, you know, growing up in Dewsbury, because at that time we lived in a predominantly white area. Um, and, you know, it, it, it wasn't necessarily the safest place. You know what I mean? Like I'd openly, you know, open to admit it, like I did get quite a lot of racial abuse and that kind of um you know, that, that affects you as a child and stuff. But the one thing that I did find was that getting into sports and stuff like football and cricket and stuff really helped. Um, but yeah, it's just one of those things. It was like looking back at it now, it's a bit it's a bit of a weird one because like there was like little moments. Like I remember like we'd go to Pakistan every summertime. You know, that was fun because at that time, like I was closer to like being in Pakistan and like playing with my cousins and stuff we moved as just an individual family. So like, I don't have any cousins or uncles or aunties in the UK. Um, so, you know, it was kind of just like my mum, my dad and my two older sisters. And then like my little brother was born when we were here too. So then there was four of us. And now mashallah, like it's all growing. Like they've all got kids as well and they're all married. But, um, but yeah, no, like just being in the education system and going to school, like I was never, I was, I was more interested in like, sporty stuff and like being active and like I do like cartwheels in the back garden and stuff do you know what I mean yeah and being interested in uh in studies but my dad was a doctor and he was very strict so my father he was born in like 1942 that's what his certificate says anyway um <laughs> so he was actually born in India before partition yeah um and he's from a he's from a village you know in India um I think it's called Mainburi so that's where he was born. Uh, and then he moved to the he moved to the UK. So he was born with very old school, old fashioned, strict, you know, upbringing. So he kind of put that on us. And it was just like, you're going to be a doctor. Like, you are going to be a doctor, whether you like it or not, kind of thing. Um, and you're out in the back garden doing backflips thinking, I really... You know what I mean? You're not playing with a stethoscope. You're, uh, you're just, you sound like a very active, active person, just all sports. So that must have been a bit of a... Bit of a tussle yeah. between you, you know and your dad. It, it, it was quite strict. Um, and like I'd always have to feel like I had to like sneak away. Like, you know, I love my dad. He's, you know, he's done a lot for us, but he's very old school. And if you're like, you know, if you're an immigrant father and you've got a kid that's mainly been brought up in the UK, like, especially when you're from our, our generation, like, there's always something there. Do you know what I mean? Like, I found it's a bit, yeah, there's a bit of a clash there. And it's yep. it's because of the differing uh channels of thought i guess um yeah. you know i knew he always wanted the best for me um but i just yes yeah, like you said i wanted to i wanted to go in a different direction it's um, common though it's common bro it's common in the asian yeah. culture 
that mm. you know you, so many of my friends for instance um you know that the, their parents have high expectations for them i think it's more because they understand that it's going to be tough as it is being from a minority to go on in life if you don't have a strong education behind you you may have difficulties being successful so it is it does come from a good place but then i think parents have to i think the new generation needs to be more open minded to the fact that you need to give your children the opportunity to follow what they want to follow because yeah. there's so many people who are unhappy in their life and they're not you can tell they're doing something that they've maybe been forced into doing and that just creates unhappiness Bro, I, I feel like talk you, about some yeah. of that stuff yeah like do you know what it is i feel like you know if, if you actually think about it like if anything they sacrificed a lot of their hopes and dreams just to survive right just to give us the opportunity i know my parents did like they sacrificed a lot in terms of what they wanted to do i'm like I'm sure my mom wanted to do something and I'm sure my dad had other, you know, aspirations, but like they, they had to sacrifice them because they had no choice to survive. So now that they've brought us here, it's that weird thing of like, you've actually given us the opportunity to be go, to be able to, you know, go out and do wrestling or play cricket or be a stand up comedian or anything that's like different from the norm. And the only reason it's, it's twisted in it, because the only reason we can do that is because of the sacrifices that they made. So that's the way I try to look at it. It's just like, well, we don't, you you did such a good job that we actually don't need to worry about just surviving. We can now, like, you know, think about and have options 100%. and have more options of might want to do this and that. But hundred percent. I mean, my parents driving me around every cricket ground in the country, up and down, down south, everything else. I mean, I'm sure they would have had days where they wanted to do something else as well. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Abs- absolutely. Um, and I don't know you, you. I know you're married. Any kids yet? You know, you're, you're, no, no, not yet. <laughs> so you'll, you well, you you know, uh, you, you'll know, you'll, you'll appreciate your parents even more. I bet yeah. when you're in that, because you'll, you'll, you'll realise how much they depend on you, and you'll think back to your life. Well, you know what? How lucky you were that you were uh, that you had two parents um, that were, you know, gave you gave you that path. So yeah, that's a bit more about your childhood. You're in Dewsbury, active kid. Coming to the end of your school years, I know you're a big cricket fan. I know you played a bit of cricket. Um, but, uh, you know, what happened after school? What was the kind of, you know, what was the route from there? Well, like, like I said, like, I was, I was, a, I was a big cricket fan. And, like, the, the um, I've always, you know, it's always been weird because I, I, I started, I got into cricket, like, late 90s. So I started supporting England because of the 98 World Cup. In uh, in 1999, we actually moved back to Karachi for two years. So I actually went to primary school there because uh, my mum wanted to, um, you know, I think she wanted us to go back and like learn about the culture and, you know, get our road to do good and like get to know our cousins and stuff. But literally, bro, all we did was wake up at six o'clock in the morning. School would start at a ridiculously early time. We'd finish at like one. The school van would drop us off and it was literally cricket all day, every day until Monday hey, time. Until- Tape ball. Yeah, tape ball, bro. Tape ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Non-stop. And from for those two years, literally all I did was like go to school and play cricket and watch cricket. And that's when like I got the bug because I was in the environment. You know what I mean? You know what it, what it's like. Oh yeah, in Pakistan, it's like the way you see the football getting kicked around here. It's probably oh, even more in Pakistan. Oh, unbelievable. And like I was just like, this is it. Like this is uh, this is what I and I just, you know. At that time, like, you didn't have as much access as you had now. So, like, I used to watch, uh, we didn't even have cable um, back then. So, I used to watch on PTV, uh, all the cricket and stuff. So, I was just like, anything that I could get hold of, I'd watch it. Even when they'd show, like, old cricket, like, the highlights from back in the day and stuff. 
I'm just like, I need to get more of this. I was like an addict and like, as I've grown up, I realized I've got a bit of an addictive personality as it is. Um, but that's where it might have, uh, it might have started with the, uh, with the cricket. I just got addicted to it. So, you know, going into my teens and finishing school and stuff, like, I always had it in the back of my mind. Like I want to play cricket, I want to play cricket. So I started um, as, uh, as I was in year 10, year 11, because um, I was good at school cricket, you know, like when you're playing in PE and stuff. So like a lot of the coaches were like, oh, you're quite good. I used to bowl um, leg spin okay. um, and I could like hang around with the bat and like I was never I never hit big, but like I'd hang around, um, get a few singles, get the other guy on strike. You need players like that, bro. You yeah, yeah, that. exactly. Um, you maybe didn't. You maybe didn't suit that batting style for tape ball in the streets of Pakistan, though, because you get you get abused if you yeah, try. Yeah. They want to see. Yeah. They want to see Chucky. They don't want to see anything. Do you know else. what it is? Do you know what it is? I used to feel good. That's what it was, and it was that thing. Like in Pakistan, no one likes feel like, on, especially in tape ball. No one's diving around for a catch. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. If yeah. it's going over his head, he's letting it go, but he ain't jumping up for that. But like, I was the idiot that would like throw myself about and stuff. So like. You know, I'd, 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 I always handy. had value. You're a handy guy to have in the team then. You, you I was, yeah, I was utility. Thing. You know, the, these days they call it utility, you know, that's what I was. <laughs> um, but I loved it. I just loved it. And like, you know, I started playing, um, I started playing like uh, school cricket, like I said, and then I joined, I joined a local club. Um, I started playing like under 19s and stuff and all that. So that was pretty cool. And then like, I started getting more into football as well. I used to play like Sunday league again as a goalkeeper. Cause it's like, I throw myself about same thing. Um, good so shot also, stopper. I mean, we're going to come, we're going to come to how much you like to throw yourself around. And yeah. Yeah. Clearly, we will. Clearly, yeah. You were de- clearly you were destined for a, a destined for a route. Um, in <laughs> but then, but, what, but yeah. what, about, what about like work wise and stuff? You're obviously now let's talk about you're basically, you know, you've, had your upbringing, you have experience going over to Pakistan again, which would have been great for you. Mm. Uh, you, know, you love your cricket, you love your sport. Strict father, who's going, you know, probably by kind of late teens is now expecting that your route is going to take a certain route. So yeah. what happens at that point? Well, um, I wasn't smart enough to become a doctor. Let's just put that out there. So I wasn't, you know, that hurdle... That 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 wall was up straight away when GCSE results came out, right? <laughs> so and how did um, how did that conversation go at that point then with the uh, with your dad? Uh, no, I don't. I, I, I don't talk to my dad. Do you know what I mean? Like that. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, It was always through my mum. This is how <laughs> old school traditional it is, isn't it? Like we weren't. We weren't. You know, my relationship with my dad is not. You know, we were never sitting down and talking about how we felt. Okay. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. Um, and like again, like I've been through my whole ups and downs with that and stuff, and like we've got a good relationship now. But like, good, I, it's that thing, just different people. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, or different, uh, different cultures and stuff. So cultural differences, just yeah. totally different time of upbringing. You can understand as yeah. you just from a totally different time. Yeah, exactly. So like you know, and it, it, it ultimately it was like okay it was always it was always through my mum so he'd like he'd, he'd complain to my mum and then like I, this is like so traditional in it <laughs> but basically that's what it was and then um and then yeah like I got my GCSE results um and then I started I got, I got into my A-levels um one of the biggest things that I did was when I finished my GCSEs I started working I worked on tills at Tesco um so like that was my first proper job and like that taught me a lot. And it's, it's when I got that job and I started realizing, I felt I started getting a bit disillusioned with the education system, to be honest with you, personally, because I was like, I'm learning all these practical life lessons at 16, working on tills at Tesco's two nights a week. Do you know what I mean? 
Um, so I became more uh, um, more along the lines of like being more like, like, like a practical learner. But I need to go do my A-levels. I need to get a university degree. And like, I'm already a failure, not, not a failure, but like I've already let them down in it because <laughs> I didn't get the grade. So it's just like, all right, well, can you do, it goes, if there's a hierarchy in it, it goes, if you can't be a doctor, can you do dentistry? Can you do pharmacy? Can you do clinical sciences, right? That's how it goes. I'm like, okay, well, let's knock all the sciences off because i got a C in biology or something. <laughs> oh, i got a C in chemistry. So I got away from them ones. And then it was like, oh, can you do accounting and finance? Or like, what about like law and stuff? And ultimately I ended up falling into marketing. So I actually ended up getting my degree in, uh, in marketing. Um, but it was one of those things where, I was at, during my uni days and stuff as well and like finishing college like it was one of those it was like I, I started slowly gaining value in the family because I was taking care of my own bills because I was working um, so like that's that's where he kind of like slowly started to see that oh like at least he's got a bit of a work ethic do you know what I mean so that kind of like gained me a little bit of respect it's like well he didn't become a doctor but at least he's not you know wasting his life I guess maybe it was um but yeah even like uni days as well like I got my degree and it if if I'm honest like it was one of those things like I was doing my assignments a couple of days beforehand I was doing all nighters revising and stuff and apart from that we were in Bradford it was like 2009-10 so we was just blasting Imran Khan down the uh, Great Horton Road going to Shisha in it playing football and stuff like that's what it was to be honest yeah, but yeah. It was the best time. It was the best time. I had a good group of mates. We used to have a laugh and like it was free and easy. We were having a laugh and stuff. So like my uni days were actually like well worth it because they were laughing in the summer times and stuff. I used to I used to like bang out night shifts at Tesco and get extra like time and a half and all that stuff. And then like it was cool because I got to um I got to go, uh, go traveling a lot because that's one of the things that was very um that's another passion of mine is traveling. I just love it. I love going out and like seeing things. Um so that was cool because I was like, oh, I'm, I'm actually saving my own money now so I can spend it. And like, I ended up, I went to Canada, I went to Morocco, I went to Shamal Sheikh with the lads, do you know what I mean? Like just silly little things like that, like going to Barcelona and you stuff. Enjoyed, and you, just, enjoyed your, you, enjoyed your, you enjoyed your childhood, you enjoyed your teen years, you enjoyed your journey, yeah. as you say, um, your youth. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. Rightfully, rightfully so, you, you should. Um, what did you mention to me when we chatted that you ended up in London? soon after yeah. all of this how did that come about well basically I finished I finished my degree um in market and so like I was telling you yesterday I was trying to get onto the uh, graduate schemes and stuff um but they all asked for a 2-1 and I got a 2-2 um I didn't even get like nearly a 2 I had mates I got like 58 and they were like oh I missed the 2-2-2-1 by 2% Oof. and I was just like I think I got like mine was like 51 or 52 and I'm just like lads I'm I'm glad I didn't get a third year because I'd get I'd get triple when I got home then <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean so I was just like oh average is fine at least I can get away with that one they'll put the degree up on the wall at least if it says you know as long as it doesn't say third class because yeah, third yeah. class doesn't sound good where we come from in it <laughs> no, no, no. So, Chapley um, are, de- are definitely coming at that point yeah exactly exactly so I was just like Shukare, thank god I got 51 52 I'm all right so um so yeah like I was a bit to be honest with you I ended up getting a bit I was excited because I was I feel like I was all for the practical world of like getting out there during my uni days I enjoyed my traveling I enjoyed working and stuff like being around people and like being in the real world so to speak so I was excited but then you know it was like it kind of hits you it's just like oh it's, it's not that easy out there um I was lucky because I, I was still working and stuff and for a few months I was a bit 
don't know what to do. And it was um, it was my sister that actually uh, uh, recommended me uh, this internship that was out in New York. And she was like, you can work for, you can go out to New York, which for me is amazing. I get to travel and go live in America. Um, and then she she was like, yeah, like you could, you, you just need a bit of office work experience and you, you just need a two, they, I think their requirement was like, you just need a two, two degree. So I'm just like, this is my light at the end of the tunnel here. Yeah? I don't want to be, you know, just working at Tesco all my life. Um, so like, I was just, I was just like, I put everything into that and I started working, uh, working towards it. So I started, I ended up getting a job at a call center and stuff and started doing all of that. Cause it was a big opportunity to potentially work for like a big investment bank, um, and get an internship there. So ultimately like through all of that, I got this internship and it was at UBS, um, investment bank, which is a Swiss based bank. It was a massive opportunity and like, I'd never lived away from home. So I was like, you know, this was my uni. Like I actually wanted to go away for uni, but my parents didn't let me. Do you know what I mean? So like, I was just like, nah, I'm going to get it now. Like, cause I've got my degree. I'm free. And like, it's New York. And my mum was happy with it. And my dad was like, all right, let's see what he ends up doing then out there. Um, so I ended up, you know, I ended up getting to go out to New York and live a year out there and um, do, uh, I, I learned a lot from like working in that crazy corporate structure. I was working literally on Sixth Avenue, which is like right down the middle of Midtown Manhattan. Um, so it was an, you know, it was a culture shock where it was like one of those things at the age of 22, if you're learning those types of lessons, like you're learning a lot because it hits you in the face, the big buildings, living away from home and like, I was eating noodles and cereal for dinner every night because I didn't know how to cook for myself, right? Um, and like it was, it was just a hell of an experience. I was lost and like we weren't we, for the first six months. Genuinely, brought lost. Didn't know what I'm doing. Like walking around, being like, "What are these big buildings? Why do these lot think I'm good at Microsoft Excel when I don't know anything about it?" You know what I mean? Like they think I can do all of this stuff, and I've been hired. I think like it would, but the first six months of living there were the best crash course of like real life real world life experience you're getting and like i got to see all the homelessness in new york you know what i mean i saw like the richest of the rich and the poorest of the poor and like going out there in the real world and seeing that coming straight out of university was hands down the best education that i could have possibly had um and i got to travel and like i got to go obviously big wrestling fan i'm sure we'll get to that but like i got to go to like wrestlemania's two years in a row do you know what i mean I went to the one in New York in 2013 and I went to the one in 2014 in New Orleans because um, I was there anyway. So, you know, it, it was looking back at it now, it feels like a dream. The first six months I was lost. The next six months, once I got settled in and I knew what I was doing, it was just like, this is the best. At, at, like at the years I was at. You would, encourage, you would encourage people. I mean, I, I went to South Africa when I was 17 for six months. I went to New Zealand for six months. I've been in the way you're talking about. You're kind of just walking down the street and you're thinking, whoa, I'm kind of a bit far away from home. You know what I mean? Yeah, Sinking but over time, over time, it gives you like a, like you got a marketing degree. This is kind of like a life degree that you kind of oh, have man. so much. Way. Um, so, I mean, I, I'm sure you learned new skills that you would never yeah. have learned if you'd stayed at home. Oh, one million percent. And like, I'm from, I'm from Dewsbury. It's a, you know, it's a, it's, Dewsbury is a kind of place like, it's very closed off. Do you know what I mean? Like people don't get out much at all. Like not much. It's a big deal if you go away for uni, let alone if you actually move abroad. Um, and it, it's just one of those things where like, I was like, 
I, I was I was from Dewsbury, but like all I really knew was like that area and like the little bit of traveling that I did before. Like I didn't really know what it was like to live somewhere else. Like I lived in Karachi, and I guess that was a good experience that that helped me with you know moving to another city. But that was at a very young age. Um, like any like travel, I like you, if the one of the best educations you can give yourself is like traveling, even if it is within your own country. Um, I've learned a lot traveling on the road in the UK wrestling in all the different towns and stuff. You know what I mean? Like it was, it, I, I can't thank that year enough. Like we didn't, we didn't get paid much. We used to get like, we had all of our expenses paid and we got about a grand, we got a thousand dollars a month as a stipend. It was actually a stipend, not even a salary. Right. Um, and like, you're just scrimping and saving like what you can and stuff. And like, I didn't want, I didn't want to use like anyone else's help and stuff because of like the work that working since being a teenager and stuff. I was always like, now nah, I want to take care of my own stuff. Um, Cause like, I always believed it's worth so much more if like you put all of your effort into it. Do you know what I mean? So like, you know, sometimes that makes it, that works the other way when you should ask for help and you don't. But, <laughs> um, but like at oh, that it's time, good, being, it's, a good, it's a good mindset to have at a young age. Yeah, to being that immature. Like, so that's ultimately, yeah, like working at that place. And like the, the other side of the con was like, you know, struggling through working in a corporate culture, right? This is like UBS is one of the biggest investment banks in the world. And all I did at that point was uh, bloody. Um, facilities management call center for a facilities management company you know what I mean that was my corporate experience so you know that was a crash course in itself as well um you know dealing with like higher ups and executive VPs and giving presentations and like going to client meetings and stuff um we, I was part of the client relationship management team of a big investment bank so like they were you know managing relationships with some high net you know companies and stuff like other investment banks it was you know it, it was a crazy experience like it was like if you've ever seen that show Soups. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like I was walking around thinking I'm a little Asian Mike Ross in my own mind. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Giving it the English accent to all the American girls and like, you know, <laughs> t- telling them there was th- there was this one where this American girl, she was just like, um, you look like Aziz Ansari, you know, the comedian. Yeah. yeah. And um, and deep down inside, like I knew obviously my my real last name is Ansari as well. So I was just like, hold on one second. I can I can work with this. I'm like, yeah, he's he's my cousin. Um, and obviously, you know, she didn't believe me, right, at all. Um, and she was just like, nah, I don't believe it. You just look like him. I'm like, well, I can show you. And I just pulled out my driver's license. Yeah. And um, and then it was like she was she she was just like, oh wow, she was super impressed and stuff. And like she You're was having autographs um, and stuff. Yeah, uh, not really. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was, do you know what? I was too shy. You know what? Thankfully. I'll say one thing. I've always been quite shy of those situations, like with girls and stuff. So luckily that kept me on the straight and narrow whilst I was traveling. Do you get what I mean? But like, you know, I also like the attention. That's why I'm a professional wrestler, for God's sake. So like, you know, if you've got your British accent and like you're, you know, you're walking around in New York, people will notice and you'll get attention. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know what I mean? Trust that me, was cool. Trust me. Trust me. When you go to the other side of the world and you've got, and you're Pakistani, you've got a broad Scottish accent. Trust me, it's it's like what? Like where does this? Where does it, the, people just assume that there's just no Scottish Pakistanis? They think yeah, they need to come to Glasgow, in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you come to Glasgow and turn up at Pollock Shields, Albert Drive, and you'll see plenty, plenty of Pakistanis. I wanna, I wanna get to the points now, the exciting part. You know, not that this has not been exciting. It's great to hear about your background and your upbringing. You know, you went into, I know you went to London and you did, you yeah. did pretty successful. 
in London, you're making some good money, um, but you felt like something was missing in your life? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, ultimately, yeah, that was it. Like, my my job in uh, New York led me to my job in London. And it's like you said, like, it was good. Like, I was contracting in London, working for an investment bank, and, like, I was doing well. It was actually quite, to be honest with you, I was actually quite good at my job. Um, so, like, you know, I was, I was enjoying that life, and I got a real taste of, like, quote-unquote, like, the London life. Like, we had a nice flat in Elephant and Castle on, like, the 25th floor, or the 18th, I don't know. Um, it was quite high up. It was cool, and we were living it up like making good money um and it was that thing it's like i said like i got it out my i got it out my system like you're saying you know what i mean like it was just like yeah like this is cool but i don't want this for the rest of my life and that's when like the wrestling bug started coming in and it's like i said like i think uh subconsciously the when i was out in new york i went to a bunch of wrestling shows and when i was there i'd always be like oh it'd be so good to do this and huh? like because i always wanted to do it um, but I'd never, you know, I'd never believe that it is something that, you know, someone like me could do and like where I come from and all that. It's the fact that I went out into the real world and like actually achieved something in the banking industry. So I, it made me think to myself, like, if I can achieve something like this in something that I actually don't have a passion about, then I wonder what I could do in wrestling. And that's when it started coming through. Like I was starting to get a little bit disillusioned in London because it was kind of the the excess so to speak gets old for me like it was fun it was the best thing ever on week one but after about a year and a half it's like all right like I need something a bit more do you know what I mean I need something that's gonna give me a bit more than going you know standing around with a diet coke in my hand on a Thursday night after drinks you know or like you know after work drinks and stuff and I'm just like all right give me give me something else this isn't the life for me so yeah, that's when the wrestling things things started coming in. And, like, I've always been, you know, throughout all of the origin story, life story that I was telling you about, like, wrestling was a consistent in all of that. I started watching it with my granddad when I was seven years old because he wanted... Uh, so my granddad lived in Pakistan and he used to come and stay with us sometimes in uh, in the summer times. And he asked my sister for a SummerSlam 97. He was like, oh, that big SummerSlam show's been on. So my sister got Who's it on, on, that? Uh, Who's on, that? Who's on that? VHS. I remember, you know what? I remember seeing the British Bulldog for the first time. Yeah. And in in the main event, it was Undertaker versus Bret Hart with Shawn Michaels as a special guest referee. I remember that. I remember that. Yeah. And there was like, I think like Shawn Michaels spat at Bret Hart at the end or something like that. I remember it vaguely. Do you know what I mean? I need to go back and watch that one, to be fair. But that was like, that was the first, that was the first wrestling that I ever watched. And I was... Just like cricket, addictive personality, I got hooked and I was just like, access, where and where can I get the access? And like, you know, I'd go to my grandma's house and watch. Huh? Yeah, I shared it with you, you know, I was a religious Monday night raw, you know, I, you know, even whatever wrestling I could get, WCW, period. Anything, yeah, else. yeah. Yeah, just every, all these different, different eras. I was telling you that one of my first memories was what, WrestleMania 7, it must have been, when Sid Justice fought uh, uh, Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior, Papa Shango, yeah. came, well, Papa Shango came in to attack Hulk Hogan, and then the Ultimate Warrior comes running in, and I was, you know, these are Papa the... Papa Shango took about five minutes waiting for Papa Shango to come out that one, innit? That's right, that's right, yeah. that's right. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so you, you decide that you've got this, you, you've, you've got the passion for the wrestling, you're a fan at this stage. How the hell 
this lad who's in London doing investment banking go about getting into the wrestling industry? This is the this is the yeah. fun, most important question on the podcast. This is this is this is a meat and potatoes. This is where it gets interesting. This is where it gets weird. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, like I um that the, the seed grew in it. The seed grew slowly and to the point of like right, you know. You're going to leave banking. You've already decided that. So you need an exit plan. So I was just like, right, let's be, you're 24 years old again, mum on the side, waiting for the, waiting for the, you know, mum, let's get married and buy a house and stuff. So, you know, I wasn't telling her anything about this. Um, But yeah, I I, I just had to be like, all right, well, I want to leave this life, but I want an exit plan. So I started saving my money and stuff. Luckily, I was getting paid quite well. So I was like, well, first things first, start putting money away. Um, And then I started looking for wrestling schools. Um, I had a bit of money, so I was like, I can invest in this and like actually do it the right way. Um, I mean, I used to smoke 10 BNH gold a day when I was in banking and stuff, so I had to throw them away. So that was like, you know, I was starting to, because of this weird wrestling dream, because at that time it was a weird pipe dream, naturally I just started developing better habits, so I threw my cigs away. Like, I had to, like, I had a real fear of uh, touching my eye. Um, so that's why I never got contact lenses, but I had to like overcome that fear of like, you know, touching my eye and stuff like spec savers just to get contact lenses in. Cause I was like, well, I'm going to need contact lenses to wrestle. I can't do it with my glasses cause I'm quite blind as well. So it was just like all of these weird, um, all of these weird things that I'm like, wow, like I'm actually overcoming a lot of these things and I'm actually like living quite healthily. Um, so I was just like, let's just keep it rolling, keep it going. Started going to the gym. Like I wasn't a big gym goer or anything. I only started going to the gym because I wanted to wrestle. Um, so like it's that thing. One thing led to another. And I was like, I found a wrestling school. Um, and it was uh, so this guy that used to wrestle for WCW back in the day, Lance Storm. He has a very, um, a very good school. Well, he used to have his clothes now out in Calgary. Um, I actually had two options to either go to the Dudley Boys School because they had a school in the US or go to Landstorm in Canada. Um, it was just easier for me to get a visa to go to Canada because of the Commonwealth. Um, so I ended up going out going out to Calgary um, to do that. But there was six months before that. So I actually started. Um, this is the weird bit. So like I obviously didn't tell anyone at work, but I was on the side, like going to this training school in uh, Brixton down in South London. Uh, London. It was run by Progress Wrestling, which is like one of the biggest independent wrestling promotions in like in the world actually now. So I was going to their school um, after um, after work. So like no more Thursday night work drinks for me because I'm sneaking off. So every single week I was like, oh, no, I've got so and so planned. Oh, I've got a date, even though like what date? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like just be making up new excuses every single time. Um, just to go to this training school and stuff. So I was almost like kind of in hiding. And I didn't tell anyone either because I didn't know that the wrestling thing was actually going to, I knew I was obsessed with it, but I didn't know that if I was actually going to make something of it because you, you, the last thing you want to do is tell people that oh, um, I'm doing this thing and then you don't end up doing it. And everyone's like, then you got egg on your face, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I just learned that through experience from previously in my life. So um yeah i started hustling to be honest with you i started getting to shows i started like you know i became addicted with uh the process of like becoming a professional wrestler because after my first session the first like bump that i took like it was like a car crash and i came home and i was so sore i've never been so sore in my life like all the way like through my upper back and stuff and i was just like this is really difficult 
Um, and I was like, this is exactly what I want to do at the age that I'm at now, because I know that the potential reward from it could be like, one day I might get to have a match. Like that was my big achievement was that, oh, I might, I might get to have a match one day and then I'll go back to bank and I'll go live my life, do all that other stuff. Like I'll get, again, like I'll get it out of my system. Do you know what I mean? Then I'll go get married and all that other stuff. Um, but then, yeah, I just like, I ended up developing a further, more of a deeper passion for the art of professional wrestling, just big by doing it. But also, like, I, I developed a big passion for like British independent wrestling too, because I saw every how it was all coming up on the scene. Um, so that gave me a good foundation when I went out in Canada and trained with Lance Storm, and like that was again another crazy experience. He's out in Calgary, which is, I think you were saying it before you go to some of these places, and you're like, I'm a far, far away from home. Do you know what I mean? And like Calgary's in the western side of Canada, it's far. Um, so like, you know, I, I did one of the one of the big things that I actually remember, one of the big moments was standing like I didn't tell my mom. I told my mom and my parents that I had a contracting opportunity out there. Um, so I was going out to like work for the bank in it. So I didn't tell anyone. The only person I told was my oldest sister. So she knew about it and that was it. And she kept it under wraps. So like, thanks a lot. She's grasped, she's grasped on me too many times. So like, <laughs> fair enough. Um, actually, no, that might be my oldest sister was grasped on me more. That's just, uh, I don't get, I don't get heat in the group chat after this. <laughs> um, so basically, yeah, like, you know, I went out, I never told any of my mates or anything like that. Cause that's the last thing you want to do with like my mates is tell them that you're going to start, you know, you're going to put some tights on and go out and jump about. Do you get what I mean? So like, yeah. I would like, yeah, I would, I'd get rinsed. Um, so ultimately, yeah, like it, it, it led me out to like going out to Canada and that was another, you know, crazy experience. I was walking around in Gatwick uh, airport before my flight and literally it started sinking in because it was just like where you've thrown this lucrative career away and now you're going out to Canada without a job for like six months to go train. And like, I just remember walking around there being like, shit shit sorry I'm a, oh, no, swear right. but it was it was in my mind it was just like shit 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 yep, shit, yep. shit what have you done what have you done and like that was that one point I'll never forget it because I was just like you could go home now but you've come way too far you stood in the airport your flight leaves in an hour I was by myself as well so off I went um so yeah and then like the experience in Canada was great as well because Calgary's got a lot of wrestling history in it right the famous heart dungeon and all of that stuff and there's a big you know there's a big wrestling scene there. Best and again, the best there was, the best there ever will be. There you go. Big fan, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Love Bret <laughs> the best. Love yeah, exactly. Um, so, like, yeah, it was... Calgary, that's where they're all from, kind of, yeah. from around those... Around the, every, everyone's, like, even, like, The Rock's been through Calgary, do you know what I mean? When he was training. Um, so, it's one of those things I was just like, wow. What, what was it more like? What, what, there must have been a lot of people that, went to this, that were interested in the similar dream that you had. What was it like when you got there and you met all the other, all the other? There, there was there was sixteen of us in our group, so basically he ran classes every single day, Monday to Friday, and he had groups of like fifteen, sixteen. Because and the coolest thing was Lance would actually get and wrestle with you. Do you know what I mean? He's still like he can still go. He could still have like a great match now, and he's like fifty odd. I think he's mid fifties for God's sake. But um, but yeah, like it was cool because now like before when I was in London, I was like in the corporate world and kind of in the wrestling world. And I was making friends, but I'd always have to go back to work in it. Mm-hmm. Whereas now like I'm immersed in it and I'm with all these lads of varying athletic abilities and of varying like, you know, abilities thinking that they can all become wrestlers by coming to train with Lance Stall and stuff. It was, I became immersed into it. Do you know what I mean? And I've like, through that experience, like 
when you're around with people that share the same passion, it like it doesn't matter where you're from, right? Yeah. Like I made, you know, there was there was a few mates because we we lived in a house together. So there was five of us in a house um that were living together that were part of the training group. And like, you know, one of one of the lads are he's called RC, he, he works on the independence now, but like we're like best mates and he's just some, you know, I'm an Asian Pakistani lad from Dewsbury, he's just some white lad from Pittsburgh but we connected because of our ridiculous knowledge of professional wrestling. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, you know, that, you know, that was an experience because I always like traveling and I always like meeting people from different cultures and different backgrounds. So like, that was good. I even got to like wrestle on the Indies in Canada. So I actually got to be a professional wrestler, but like in a crazy place like Canada. And that was like where I had my first few matches. So it's quite a unique, like upbringing into wrestling, but like, something as crazy as like we we well, some of the some of the shows that we did like we drive from calgary to Kelowna, which is in british columbia and it was an eight hour drive through the rocky mountains um through a time zone bro it was through that the hours went back as we were driving and i'm like what the hell's going on yep. do you know what i mean like but it was just like it was the most beautiful drive i've ever done and then we got to go there do the show and stuff and we got paid nothing we literally got paid minus something because he didn't cover our petrol and stuff because that's just the wrestling life. But I was just like, I'm a wrestler now. Do you know what I mean? Like you're properly feeling it. And like, I'd watched all the, I'd immersed myself in all the documentaries. And do you remember Tough Enough back in the day where they'd, I'd like, I'd watched all the episodes of that. I was just like getting hold of any content I could find that would prepare me for this crazy wrestling journey that I wanted to do since I was like, uh, you know, an internet wrestling fan reading the dirt sheets when I was 17, watching like, ring of honor matches on youtube do you get what i mean like i'm just like wait this can't be right what am i doing it's like surreal it feels weird do you know what i mean um so like yeah those six months were crazy like i like i wrestled across western canada one way and then like i drove another way and wrestled in saskatchewan where like brock lesnar lives there do you know what i mean it's that remote um and i wrestled in like some weird little town there and i was just like I'm actually, and, and the, the coolest thing about all of it was like, people were like, you're good. You're like, you're actually really good. You're quite entertaining. You're quite like interactive with the crowd and stuff. And I'm like, shit, like this ain't, this ain't a one match, one and done deal. And meanwhile, like, meanwhile, while this is all going on, Auntie thinks you're out in Canada doing some contracts. Oh, well, that's where I was getting to. Cause I was just like, I wasn't, part of me was excited. But then the other part of me was just like, shit, I'm actually going to do this. What am I going to tell them me? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And like it was the first, and like the first one, the first match that I had, I put it up on Facebook because then I was just like, "All right, you know what? I've actually worked towards something pretty cool." And I'm like, "All right, I won't get pissed taken out of me now from my mates." Hopefully, even though I was still like shitting it that it was gonna happen, but put it up on Facebook, pictures from my first match in Canada, and like it was the craziest thing because like all my mates, like. Um, like, I got so much support. Yeah, some of them took the piss out of me and like, I love them for it. Do you know what I mean? But I got so much support of everyone being like, we can't believe that you actually went out and did it because they all knew him. I was the weird wrestling fan. Like, they all, I, all my mates called me Billy. So they were like, yeah, yeah, Billy likes his wrestling. He's weird like that. <laughs> they, never like, thought, they never would have thought, they never would have thought Billy will go out to Canada, leave his job. Exactly. Invest his so money it was like a shock. And then he's yeah. had a match and it's on Facebook and they're like, what the hell was Billy? Exactly. Been the last six months? So, exactly. Exactly. So like, you know, that, that, that was my first step of actually kind of like 
properly coming out of my shell because I was just like, I thought it was going to be a weird negative response and that's what I was worried about. But I put it out there and I was just like, wow, like people actually like respected it and stuff and all that stuff. So like that was, it's that non-monetary reward in it that you don't get from what I was doing before was that like I held that in so much more value for me than like any of the money that I could make or like the nice flat and like, you know, being able to buy nice clothes or whatever. Um, So like, you know, that was cool. Obviously, like, I had to have the conversation back home as well. Um, and, like, luckily, I was on the other side of the world. It was an eight-hour time difference anyway. So <laughs> I got away with, like, the chapale, but I got I got a good I got a good talking to her. And yep. she was just like, I don't know what you're doing, what you're this and that. And I've always been a bit like, I'm going to do my own thing. And, like, I guess because they saw that, like, I worked at stuff before this and did all right, that, like... I don't know. Maybe I'm giving them too much. I don't know. Yeah, I think no, they you thought probably, he's an idiot. Yeah, you probably had earned some trust by then that you're not, you're not just some silly little kid, or you know, you actually have a plan with when you're doing these kind of stuff, uh, kind of thing. But yeah, I can imagine for you know for Auntie that yeah, would have been a bit of a you know I can understand why it would have been a little and bit. Me of a too. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't hold anything against her for it at all because I was just like, do you know what? Fair play. I get it. Like. I was a bit more mature at that point a little bit. And I was just like, you know what? I get it, but I'm still going to do this. But now I was just like, I better do something proper with this then to like actually make it worthwhile. Um, and then it was cool to like, I finished, you know, I finished that crazy ex- and like, I've never felt bro so much cold in my life. January Calgary, it was like, bro, minus ridiculous. I don't even want Cause like, then there's the wind as well that comes through the mountains and stuff. Never felt anything like it. So like, you're going out there and experiencing these type of things. Um, it was crazy. And like Canadian people are cool as well. Like everyone's like super cool. I, I again made some lifelong friends from that that I'm still in touch with now. Um, but yeah, ultimately it was around about that time where like British wrestling start was was coming up on a massive independent um on, on the independent scene. And I was just like, right, do you know what? Like, I've got to go back to the UK because if I've actually got a shot at doing this, because everyone's saying I'm quite good. I've got to go back home and try and like get back, get got on the scene in the UK. Um, so, you know, my options were to either move back to London and go back to working in banking and carry on with this wrestling or like actually move back to Dewsbury. Um, and I looked at it very tactically because I was just like, Dewsbury's in the center of the country. And as a wrestler, you need to travel a lot. And so I was just like, if I move to Dewsbury, I've got the M1 and I've got the M62. So I can get to shows up and down and east to west. And my mum's been at me for the last four years. Like, when you're coming home, when you're coming home, when you're coming home. So I thought, right, I'm already in trouble at home. So it'll pacify her because I'll be at home more. And I can do my wrestling on the side. And I'll get my food cooked for me. So no more cereal and no more cereal and noodles in it. Or, like, pizza getting ordered every week. So I'll have my food cooked for me because I'm at home. So And I'm around my family and my nephews and stuff. And at that point, I'd been gone for a good few years away from home and to be honest with you looking back like it was actually good for me to move back because it's like Dewsbury is the type of place not much changes so when you go away and your life changes and turns upside down and you've been through all of this you know rigmarole you move back to Dewsbury like it it gave me a lot of perspective you know what I mean um and it was good because I was able to I've got loads of mates in in Dewsbury and stuff, and I was able to uh, give them a lot of like good advice from like what my experiences had been and like encouraged. And I was lucky, like I actually encouraged a few of my mates to actually go out there and stuff, and like 
you know, one of my mates from Batley, which is like the town next door, like he's working in a really good job because he went out to New York just after I did. And like, he's doing great. Do you know what I mean for himself? So like, you know, that gave me a lot of humility and stuff going back home. But on the wrestling side of it, like, I just, I, I had to come up with a character. Do you know what I mean? For wrestling that I was just like, all right, well, how am I going to get myself over, so to speak, with, you know, the British audience? And like, I was just like, well, I know like, I'm Asian, I'm Pakistani, I'm British. Do you know what I mean? I'm from Yorkshire. So it was just one of those things where I was just like, all right, like, how did, how, how have I entertained people in the past? And like, a lot of it has been just through that like, having a laugh and stuff. But like, dancing at Mendy's was a big thing, right? Because I love going to weddings and like, my family's one of them ones, like even my sisters and that, we're the ones that are like, we'll go to anyone's wedding and we'll be the ones on the dance floor like dancing. I, I, have to, I, I kind of share your, I kind of share your passion there. I like getting on the I like getting up and having a dance as well. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm not even that good, to be honest. I'm not even that good. It's my sisters are really good at it. And my little brother's a really good dancer as well. Like he's yep. got like the actions and stuff. Do you know what I mean? He's got the facials for it. Um, so like, yeah, like having done that all the time and stuff. And we were, I think we were watching a wed- wedding video from a few years ago at home. And I was just like, if I went out and did that as an entrance and I put and the first song came into my head, Punjabi MC, no, without a shadow of a doubt. So I'm like, that's the most popular Asian song, really. Like, in, the everyone, British, in the British culture as well, even the British culture. Exactly, because I always said, I want, like, I'm, I'm a British Asian wrestler. Like, I'm as, as Pakistani as I am, that's how, like, Yorkshire I am, or, like, British, or Yorkshire, really. Um, so, like, it's one of those things where, like... Um, how can I, you know, package all that up and like provide a product that promoters and stuff are going to be want to be interested in? And like, you know, that's when the entrance came and I was like, oh, I'll get all, I'll get everyone dancing and like we'll have a party. And like by the time I get into the ring, hopefully they'll be like, oh, he's something different. That's cool. And then like, you know, I was getting better at wrestling. I wasn't that good at that time, to be fair. So I was just like, I'm going to need the gimmick to help me, you know, get booked so that I can get on the shows and get more experience. Like as you do, everyone starts off really you know not that good um so like ultimately yeah that's what it ended up being and the, one of the most important things that I wanted to do was not be portrayed as like a negative character or a heel as we say in wrestling um and that's what's historically been done in professional wrestling is that like you know the Iron Sheik was a heel we had like Muhammad Hassan which was a very controversial character right like there's been a lot of um negative stereotypes portrayed so I was just like you know what like why don't I portray some positive stereotypes, you can say, or whatever, like, like, you know, why don't we, you know, why don't I come out and just do what I've done at all the Mehendis all my life, but just as a wrestling entrance. And, you know, ultimately, like, that's what got me quite popular. And as I was, you know, getting in better shape in the gym, um, getting better at wrestling by getting all my reps in, like, the ball just rolled. And it's right place, right time, because we call it Brit Rest, but, like, British wrestling was coming like was massively coming on the up at the time to the point where like ITV um were gonna bring back uh, world of sport wrestling um because they wanted to like you know eventually it's that thing anything that becomes big enough from an underground state will eventually get noticed by someone at the top and get like the big you know corporate opportunity or whatever um ITV were coming up so I actually got offered that because again at that time like I'm skipping past a lot of it, but, like, those two years, like, 17 and 18, bro, like, one day I'm in Auburn, Scotland, the next day I'm in Sheffield, then we're in Bognor Regis, then we're in Minehead. Like, 
I literally like I like traveling everywhere, just going everywhere, bro. Honestly, and like I just got addicted to it. Do you know what I mean? Like when I came back, I got a job at uh, KPMG in Leeds. I started contracting because my, all my money ran out, like from the banking and the wrestling and stuff in it. So I was just like, shit. Like again, to pacify my mum, let me get a job. Also, because yeah. I'm skinned. So I ended up getting a contracting job at KPMG. <laughs> it lasted about four months because the wrestling got busy again. So now I'm sat in the living room with my mum telling her that I'm about to quit again. And she's just like, oh, what are you doing? Like, She was just like, you've thrown away two massive opportunities, right? At an investment bank and at one of the big four accountancy firms. You're throwing all of that away. You're 26 years old now and you want to go wrestle. And I'm just like, I don't know how I'm getting away with this. Like, how am I getting out of this? And it was, it was just the, I was going to do it anyway. And I think at that point, because of like, they didn't want me to go away for uni. They didn't want me to go to New York. Ultimately, you know, they wanted to keep me close. And I think a big part of it is what obviously like, you know, the history when we were so young, like I think my mom is very protective of all of us. Like I'm the only one that went out around all of these places. Like both my sisters and my little brother still live in Dewsbury around my mom and stuff. So I was a bit of the odd one out. Do you get what I mean? So like, but, she knew that like you, you've got to let him do it because I think ultimately and you know it gets a bit sad there but like I think that's what she wanted to do is get to do all that stuff but because of like the culture that we were brought up in and stuff like ultimately she got the chance to do it and she goes all over the place now and she's alhamdulillah she's got a very good life but like you know she wanted to do that when she was in her 20s do you get what I mean and like she didn't get a chance to do that and now she does so I think from there deep down inside I think she'd bollocked me because that's what she needs to do as mum. But deep down inside, she was just like, go on then. I think yeah, so. I want to say that. No, you're pro- I think you're right. I think you're right. I think from just hearing about the whole journey, I think um, I think you're right. Uh, they always probably wanted you just to be safe and have that kind of, but really yeah. you're more of a risk taker. Um, and you're more a of bit. a... You're definitely, yeah. definitely the the rebel of the family, but not in a bad way. Like you just have done some, you know, to go and do what you've done already. And we've talked about is is uh is different. It's different, and it's um it's brave. Um, uh, so much fun, man. So yeah, much fun. I can, I can imagine having travelled as well. How much, how many great times you would have had. But you're now in a situation where you say you've chose to walk out in the KPMG job, which is like you say, very very big. Big four, as, as as they're called. What opportunity came up that you decided to make this quite risky decision? Yeah, so um, the opportunity actually came luckily about six months later. So like, I quit, I quit the KPMG job, and I was literally just wrestling for what whatever money I was getting. And independent wrestling doesn't pay much, but I got my reps in, so I got like, I wasn't getting paid for a bit of, for a little time there for about six months. Like I had no opportunities in wrestling or anything like that. So like, you know, you could say it was, might've been a bit of a dumb decision or it might've been an emotional decision. Cause like, Oh, I'm getting all of these wrestling opportunities. But at the end of the day, we've all got bills to pay too. So like I was on the scene up and down the country living my life, but like, honestly, bro, like no money. And like, you know, it's like, as you say in Urdu again, it's like, Kis se paise you know what I mean? Like, what was I going to do? Go home and ask my mum or my dad for money because I've thrown it all away. You know what I mean? So I was like, just about, you know, keeping it, keeping it going. I was lucky. I was living at home with my parents at the time. 
Um, but yeah, like it's like I was saying, because I was actually creating a bit of equity in my name and in my brand at the time, that was like one thing that was actually on the up. Um, WWE decided to actually enter the UK and wanted to expand into the UK. So in 2018, whilst um, a few months before that, I was actually having talks in, in terms of trying to get a tryout at WWE. So I was training to get my tryout, getting in shape, getting out on all the shows, you know, keeping myself injury free and all that stuff. And then I think it kind of escalated a little bit. And they were like, no, we're going to have a WWE, we're going to have a UK championship tournament. Um, and there's got, we, we need 16 guys. And like, we want you to be one of them. And I was just like, I was, I was, it was four, it was about three o'clock in the morning. I was driving home from Minehead Butlins, right, on the East Coast. And I was driving back to Dewsbury and I got that email and I was just like, this is a joke. We're WWE, like on the emails, you know what I mean? I'm just like, what, like, what the hell? I was trying to get a tryout and like, even in tryouts, they only take like one out of every 40 guys, you know what I mean? Like, I had like a minute chance. And then, then this comes up and I was just like, thank God. Like it was, you know, it's just one of those relief things as well as like an unbelievable thing. Like the relief part of it was I might actually have a get, get a bit of an opportunity to like make a bit of money. Do you know what I'm like? Cause I'm just, I'm barely getting by. Um, and then the shock part of it was, wait, hold on. I've actually made it WWE. I've been wrestling for two years. What's going on? Like, no, this can't be happening. And it was just, it was, it was a whirlwind to be honest. Like, you, you think, like, at that point as well, like, I was just enjoying being an independent wrestler because I was just living the dream. I don't, like, mid-20s, like, just chilling, living the life, working hard, getting to the gym and stuff. And this opportunity comes up and it all of a sudden, like, it got real and it was just like, whoa, like, you've actually done something there. And, like, I think that email was the thing that was just like, yeah, you've had fun, but you've got to have a bit of a bit of self-awareness in terms of what you've actually achieved here and stuff. And, like... You know, wait till you show that you wait till I show that email to my mum. Do you know what I mean? And I think that was the biggest part of it was just like, look, WWE, like, come on. And like, obviously it was, you know, it was a great feeling um, getting getting that opportunity just to do that. The one time I ended up spending four years there, for God's sake. But like, even having that one match or just that one opportunity to like be backstage and be around like, you know, all the who top you, guys. Who have you, you managed to rub shoulders with or be around? Oh well, like the I mean, the best experience from like my four years at WWE were like uh, they, they sent us to um, they sent us to WrestleMania in 2019. So I was I was part of WrestleMania Access, which is like the smaller shows that they do. But it was in New York of all places. Ironically, it was in New York as well, like where I spent my year and stuff. And like it's weird, uh, comes round circles, right? The MetLife Stadium is where I watch, went to watch WrestleMania in 2013 as a fan, working in, you know, having just moved to America. In 2019, six years later, I'm at MetLife Stadium eating catering in the back and, like, The Undertaker's stood in the corner chatting to Michael Hayes. Do you know what I mean? Like, That's it's mad, just like, it? it's it, 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 just surreal moments of, like... And you didn't, you didn't, and okay, you were a fan... But you hadn't even made that plunge at that point in New York earlier, as we spoke about in the pod, where you just oh, go down the wrestling route. Six yeah. years later, you're part of the actual WrestleMania event, and you, you know, bro. Honestly, like I like it, it, on a side note, I injured my shoulder at, at the access match that I had, and ultimately later on, I ended up having to go get surgery and all of that stuff, right? And that was difficult. But honestly, 
I injured my shoulder the day before the show, the, the show that we did, which was the day before Mania. I woke up the next morning and like, honestly, I couldn't care less that I sacked off my shoulder. I was like, I'm going to worry about that when I get home. I'll worry about that stress because like, this is, this is too big. Yeah. And like, you know, rubbing shoulders, like you're walking around backstage at WrestleMania and, and like, you know, Batista's just walked by, Hogan's just chatting on the side here. Like you're literally like, I'm stood and I'm just having to like pan across like this and be like, what's going on? And like, it is, you know. Were you just, shy or did you approach and, and take the opportunity? No, no. So it, see, this is, this. Is, <laughs> you can't be shy in wrestling, right? Yeah, too, right. Top you to can. bottom, you can't. And there's, there's, uh, there's a big wrestling etiquette where like, wrestlers have to shake each other's hands like it's a big you know it's a big thing in wrestling and it's a sign of respect and it's a sign of um you know wrestling's that thing where we work for each other because as you well know like it's staged right so like surprise surprise um so like you know we 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 work together to provide an entertaining show for the audience just like you would in a movie or a stage show right so like you know the whole etiquette of like shaking each other's hands comes from that of like right we're going to do business tonight. I'm going to sell for you. You're going to sell for me. You know, I'm the bad guy. So I'll get the heat. I'm the good guy. So I'll get the kids and the, you know, everyone cheering for me. And like, you know, we'll keep each other safe as well. So, you know, that's it. That's a big thing there. So like I'm stood at WrestleMania now. Well, like one of the big ones was like, um, we were at the access show um, and WrestleMania access, like they have the show on the side and then they have the, all the autographs of like Undertaker, John Cena, bloody, all the top guys, um, but the catering area is the same for everyone. So I just finished off my match, my shoulder. I went to see the doctor for my shoulder. I walked into the back. I thought I'll get some food, and like I'm seeing like Roman Reigns, Luke Gallows, the Usos, um, uh, Dash Wilder, like a bunch of like a bunch of top guys sat on the table. I'm like, I'm a wrestler. Like I've got to go shake their hands. And do you know what? Like I went and shook their hands, and they were all super cool. And like. You know, one of the lads knew me from before anyway. So, like, he introduced me and he said, oh, yeah, he's, you know, he's a really good baby face and this and that. And I was just like, you know, it's one of those things. If I was shy, I wouldn't have gotten that, like, confidence yeah. boost. But because I wasn't and I went up and I shook their hands. And, you know, anyone that's made it also knows that, like, you know, I get what you're doing. Like, you, you're doing the right thing because you know that you're supposed to go there and, like, shake everyone's hands and introduce yourself and be professional and all that stuff. So I think like a little part of them like respected that too. And like, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's not going to change the world, but like, that was really good for me, for my like confidence to be like, oh, that was really cool. Um, and like, you know, there's, there's, there's another uh, yeah, Muslim wrestler uh, in the WWE called Mustafa Ali. Um, so like, he's, he's a big inspiration for me. And that was cool because I actually got to like, not just rub shoulders with, but like get advice off him and like, speak to him about like you know what it takes to make it here like being from where we're from and all that stuff and like you know how to how to like it's weird because like as muslims as well we're always in the, the there's always something going on right um so it's one of those things where how how do i how do i navigate that where i can get my point across but then also not be you know not be controversial in the other way where it's going to like turn people away and all that stuff and you know, when we're, 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 we're trying to represent our, you know, people or where we come from, but like show it in a good light because much like yourself, like 9-11 changed everything, right? The last 20 years, especially in the UK, like I'm sure you'll know more than anyone else. Like, you know, we've, we, we, there has been a concerted effort to like make us all look bad. And like, we see it in the media, we see it in the news. And like, I was brought up with all of those same, you know, same things. So like, I've been, you know, 
that's been ingrained in my brain. And as I've grown older, I've questioned it a lot more and stuff. And I thought, you know what? Like now it's gotten past the point of, oh yeah, you made it to WWE. Oh, you're a wrestler, you're living your dream, all that stuff to be like, wait, hold on. Like you've got an opportunity here to actually like do something real and create like some real value from your presence in professional wrestling. Um, and like, it's that thing of like, when you, when you rub shoulders with people that are there, they've already been through that process that I just talked about. So like, you know, I'm seeing Roman Reigns and I'm like, yeah, he's representing the Samoan people. I'm seeing, you know, I'm seeing even, even like our lads, like we had on NXT UK on our UK show, which was a lot smaller of a show than the big one. Like we've got lads representing Scotland and like Wales and we had an Irish lad and like we had a black lad. I was Asian and stuff. And, you know, it was one of those things where like it's, it's, you don't realize how much of an effect of a positive effect or, or how much of an inspiration you can have on someone else like just by doing what you're doing and all I'm doing is just living the dream and having a laugh but everyone else is like you know it's cool that like you get to do that and I was always very shy and I always tried to like play the oh I just want to be humble and like not you know tell my story or not say this and that but you actually soon realize that like it's that same thing you can't be shy you've got to put yourself out there because you don't know who might be listening or who might be watching and be like if he did that, then like I want to go be a stand-up comedian, or I want to go be a cricketer or a thing. Because you know, as long as you keep your values and like your, you know, your respect with you and your self-respect and stuff, like we can, like we can do all of those things as long as like we represent ourselves in the right way and stuff. I'm going on now, isn't it? No, I'm. It's uh, you know, normally um, when I record podcasts, you know, I need to keep my my questions there. I need to keep, but you've um, you've talked about a lot of stuff that's really I can relate to. Um, you know, if any British South Asians um, listen to this podcast, and I hope a lot of diff- I hope people from all backgrounds listen. But you know, it's it's good to hear what it's like for British South Asians growing up and how you know challenges we have, uh, maybe from our homes or our cultural differences when you go into different different spaces. And I think you've. I think it's really powerful the way you've kind of you've learned, you've embraced it, but you've remembered who you are, um, and 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 you you found your way into that into that space. But you're very much being yourself, and I think if you're going to be yourself, I mean, I've seen it in wrestling. Some people, their characters fail. I mean, Roman Reigns is a perfect example. He had a period in his in the rest in his wrestling career where the where the audience just wouldn't connect with him. And it was weird because he was like the big dog, big man, big man around at the moment. But since this whole tribal chief and the tribe has started, it's like he's just the storyline is connected so well. He looks so much more relaxed in his in his character. Sometimes you see it. I mean, I never ever liked when the Undertaker didn't become the Undertaker and got on the motorbike and did all of that. It was all right for a time, but the Undertaker was the Undertaker. You know that was what connected you with them but you're right a lot of people that have come in from like different backgrounds maybe from the middle east kind of backgrounds they've always tend to be brought in as a baddie um which is i don't think is it's good that you've come in with a you know i'm the punjabi mc grachi grachi lad from yorkshire who's going to come in and bring this different twist then i'm yeah. going to throw you about the actual wrestling part you know as we come to the end the wrestling side of things what is that like like you know, I understand it's staged, but staged or not staged, some of the stuff that's going on in there, you know, bones get broken, 
limbs, you know, necks get damaged. It's dangerous. You know, you you mentioned keeping your opponent safe as well. How you know it's, it's, it's there's a lot of skill that goes into wrestling. Yeah, like yeah, the the actual in ring part of it's a whole nother story in itself, right? Like it's just one of it's it's one of those things. Like wrestling, people think like wrestling rings or a mattress. Like there's a there's a thin layer of padding and there's plywood underneath, and then underneath that it's just steel, right? Um, and it, it it's not a natural thing to actually be doing um like you're not you're not meant to throw yourself on purpose onto the onto the ground and onto something that's you know relatively solid um so you know that that takes an adjustment but again the human body is a wonderful thing it it adjusts and adapts like you know like nothing that there is i feel like um so you know that that aspect of it of actually like throwing yourself about um that i mean the 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 thing that I fell in love with was like the athletical element of it and like all the technical wrestling side of it. Like I used to love watching like Chris Benoit and Kurt Angle and like Eddie Guerrero and Rey Sphere and all these guys. And like as I grow older, like guys like Daniel Bryan, Samoa Joe and all these guys. So like, you know, that, that aspect of it, I found very, came very naturally to me because um, it's like I said, I like throwing myself about and like, it's it's it is that thing of like it yeah it's staged but it does hurt like I've had I've got a big scar down this shoulder because I kept dislocating my shoulder for so long and I ended up having to get it repaired and stuff but like ACLs dislocated shoulders lower back issues like that's just the that's just like the um that's just on the surface like we're talking like CTE and concussions are a big thing as well if you don't do wrestling safely and if you're not trained the right way and stuff um you know like spinal issues and you don't want to be messing around back there with your spine and stuff so like it is one of those things where now because we've got the technology and the education like I have a very like strict training regime in terms of like it's very specifically based on what it is that I need for wrestling and that helps me survive the physical you know physical activities that are involved with wrestling and I still messed up my shoulder um but it's about like you know you have to you have to be flexible you have to be adaptable there has to be a certain level of athletic ability but it's you know it's crazy in the sense that we have to treat ourselves and train as sportsmen and women um but we are in a performative capacity so like we are a stage show so like you have to have athletic ability you have to be well built there's an aesthetic element of it as well right you have to look good um you know, and then there's a performative element of it of like, you know, they always say like, it's all here. Like, this is where you make your money. And like the eyes, it gets deep, but it's like the eyes are the window to the soul and all that stuff. So like it all comes out in the eyes and that's how you connect with people. Because ultimately, all of that stuff aside, the business that I'm in is about connecting with people. And trust me when I tell you, like, people come to wrestling shows being like, yeah, it's big. Yeah, it's this and yeah, it's that. But if it's done right, it can get people to a point where they actually forget about the fact that when you're into it and you're enjoying it, you forget that it's not real because you appreciate the performance and like that's what we are. We are performance artists, but we have to like you know I've got to go train legs now because if I don't like <laughs> do you know what I mean? Just the will what's your move? What's your what's your trademark? I do a swanton swanton bomb Jeff Hardy. Right, okay. Yeah, swanton bomb from the top. Um, and we like I like I like I like throwing super kicks. I like doing like the suicide dives, and I like diving on people. That's my style. Like it's 
you know, my style of wrestling is like high energy because that's just what I'm, I am as a person. And like my entrances are one of the things that got like got got me really popular because I'd actually go around the crowd and like, you know, we'd wrestle in bars and stuff. And I'm just like, all right, let me get to this. I bet I could go up and uh, dance on like on top of the bar and stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like, that'll be cool. Oh, I bet I can get that guy. That guy looks like he wants to dance. Come on, camera. Come over here and like, let's dance. Like, do you know what I mean? Just get people. The job is just to get people in a good mood because people are there of like, you know, dealing with all their problems. And, you know, we've got a million of them out there. So there's nothing wrong with coming in and like having a few drinks or doing what, you know, doing whatever you want to do and having a laugh with your mates just to come watch some like professional wrestling and like, yeah, someone will probably dive on someone. There might be a hardcore match where you might see blood. There might be a cool technical match. There might be a match where one of the wrestlers comes and lands on your lap. Do you know what I mean? It's interactive. It's bloody 4D, 3D, whatever you want to call it. So it's one of those things where, like, you know, it's a really cool, I think it's a really cool form of entertainment. And, you know, there's enough people that think that, that, like, bloody 100,000 people turn up at wrestling stadiums, at, like, massive stadiums for WrestleMania and stuff. So WWE Universe and all the, you, you, you know, there's so many other, so many other um, federations as well now. That yeah, are, yeah. That are doing wrestling. I see in the UK as well, as you say, British wrestling is booming as well. Where are you at now? What's the what's the situation? Yeah, so basically uh the show that I was on NXT UK. So we were we were on BT Sport. We actually had a deal with BT Sport and we were on there every week. Um and that was really cool. Um that has uh just come to an end in August. So um I actually got released uh, a bunch of us. There was about 25 to 30 of us, we all got released from our contracts. Um, but it was one of those things where not to go too deep into it, but like earlier this year and stuff, I feel like we kind of did see the signs coming that they were kind of, uh, thinking about wrapping it up. And I think there was a few factors to that. And like, I like to think, I don't think COVID helped that affected a lot of things. And, you know, a lot of places had to like re, uh, re-steer where they were going to go in, in which direction. So, you know, it was nothing personal. It was one of the, it was the best four years of my life, but right now, um i'm an independent wrestler i'm back to being on the road again um earlier this year we weren't actually wrestling as much as i would have liked at the wwe um and like it's like you said me addictive personality i want to do it every day i want to do it every weekend and like i want to be up and down the country so you know that was even though like i managed to you know get a livable wage like they were paying as well they looked after us and all that stuff I've, you know, done that. I've achieved that before in my life. And I know I can always go back to like my banking career. The thing that held value for me was the wrestling aspect of it. So, you know, ultimately, I think it's a good thing that it ended up happening because now I can actually, it's like that thing. You don't miss what's gone until, what's that saying? You know what I mean? You you don't miss it until it's gone, right? Or you don't appreciate it. Like, because I've not had wrestling consistently over the last year, couple of years, and that includes the shoulder surgery too. I finally got it. So, like, I want it every week. So, I'm back at, like, up and down. I'm wrestling in Newcastle this weekend. I was down in Maidstone. I was in Sheffield and Maidstone the last weekend. So, I'm just, like, going to all these little towns. And, like, you know, I did Burnley. That was at the Turf Moor uh, Stadium. It was in their little fan zone. So, that was in, like, a little tennis side pitch. But then the next week, I was in um, I was in, uh, bloody, uh, in a nightclub wrestling there, like, with a bunch of, like, it was more of an adult show. Then I was in a warehouse in Sheffield, and that was like more of a hardcore type show. Um, you know, it's it's wild out there, bro. Like it's the best. You know what I mean? And like, as long as I'm lucky, because you know, out of all of this, what I haven't mentioned is like my wife, because she really helps as well, right? 
you know, she, she's got her own career that she's focusing on, she's doing really well on. And the best thing with my wife is she's a bigger, bigger wrestling fan than I am. And oh, there you go. Yeah. And like, you know, I wish it was one wife, of those things I was just like, I get slagged off. I told my mum, huh? I get slagged off from the wife. Every time she catches me watching it, she's like, nah, oh, nah, nah. we can't watch enough wrestling in my house. Bloody oh, hell, but like, it's, 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 it's just, I had to like, I had to tell my mum, I'm like, okay, now I'm wrestling, now I'm doing this. I was just like, okay, so you want me to find, you want me to find a Pakistani girl who speaks Urdu, who's going to understand wrestling, who's going to like all this and that. And like, I'm just like, nah, this ain't working. Like, it's not going to happen. You know, it's not going to happen. Um, so I was a bit of a lost cause in that sense, because as you know, alongside all of this madness, that different storyline is playing out, right? Yep. Going to Rishdays and stuff and not working out and like all that stuff. So like, you know, it's one of those things where, like, that ended up working out very well for me. Alhamdulillah, I'm very lucky that like I've met her, and like, you know, you know, she's she understands the ins and outs of it and the ups and downs. And it's the same thing, bro. Like, you're not gonna make it if you can't go through the downs as well as enjoying the ups. And like, this past couple of years has been really difficult, like mentally and stuff. And when you're in, like, we're artists in it, so like, we're all. I bet we're probably like too deep of thinkers or we're too emotional or something like that. Like we take things that I don't know what it is like, but it's one of those things where when you're not getting to do your art for whatever reason and like you have to deal with and you know, we're in the showbiz business. So, you know, there's a standard politics and the ins and outs and, you know, all of that other stuff that you have to deal with. And, you know, there's been times where I've just been like, what do you, like I wanted to wrestle, you know, I didn't want to deal with all this. But as you grow up, you realize that no matter what industry you're in, you're going to have to deal with and navigate these type of situations. And like, the one thing I've learned is that like, yeah, like as long as you don't quit, you'll make it as long as you don't quit. And like, that's kind of like what this last, you know, year that's been quite difficult for me professionally has taught me. But, you know, it's like I said, like I'm right now, I just want to enjoy my wrestling and wrestle as much as I can. I'm going to Italy on November the 19th for three days. I'm going to Rome. So, like, I get to wrestle, I get paid, I get to travel to a new place I've not been to. So, like, I'm trying at this point, trying to be, like, the busiest independent wrestler I can. And with the name value and the brand value that I've got from being in WWE, like, that I hope, like, I'm trying to I'm trying to utilise that. And what I've learned, uh, because I know I've become so much more of a better performer by training at the Performance Centre down in London. Like, when you've got Shawn Michaels telling you, oh, yeah, that was cool, like, you're you're probably doing all right. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Like, kid, he really is one of the best te- technicians in the in the you know unbelievable wrestler. Yeah. He's. A, I, was got like, Bret, I was more of a Bret Hart fan. I was gutted, yeah. but, but Shawn Michaels was. Easy. Yeah, like Shawn Michaels and Triple H were the guys that ran NXT UK. So like you know Triple H was my um, was my boss basically, and that's pretty cool. And like you know guys like we had like William Regal. And yeah. uh, we had Matt Bloom, who was known as A Train. Um, so he's he's a big coach there. And you've got Shawn Michaels, and you know we're having these matches, and then like we're getting on Zoom calls, and Shawn Michaels telling me like, "Yep, yeah, do this, don't do this," and like, and then at the end of it, being like, "Yeah, that was pretty good, I mean, That was really good." I'm like, "Whoa, okay, fair enough." Like, I must be well, doing something is, right. I might make something. If we, with this. if we get if we get lucky, and Triple H and Shawn Michaels see this, then we'd love to see this man back in the. Back in the square circle for a, a big <laughs> WrestleMania event. You need some Desi Bollywood brought into that audience, and this is a man, to, as you know, to deliver it. Uh, but look, it's a uh, promo that good wrestling uh, promo. Listen, that we, might use, we might use this as our clip. 
Um, but it's been look, I could probably talk to you again and talk more a bit more about some of the matches you've had in other areas, but it's just been very interesting to hear about somebody from a similar background to myself who's gone into the wrestling industry because I, I'll be honest, I don't know I don't know of any British South Asians who have done it. So I think you're very brave. Um I think you've done it, you've obviously achieved so much already. You know, inshallah, there's going to be great opportunities that are still going to come for you. But you're also a role model for some other young girls or boys out there who, you know, grow up in a certain culture that maybe is frowned upon that, oh no, you can't go because do wrestling. But you know, you can you can do what what your heart what your heart desires. And I'm sure there's plenty of young um Asian kids out there in the UK who love their wrestling. So as uh, Bilal has uh, has proven, it can be it can be done, and you know I'm sure uh, it would be cool to see some more kids from uh, from our background come through and go go into this field. But you know it's good to be connected with you now. You need to keep me posted when you're going to be up in Glasgow for a wrestling event. Soon, man, it'll happen I'll, soon enough. I will be there a hundred percent. I'll even try and bring my wife along to try come, and get come. Us I'll sort your tickets. Let's go. Try and sell wrestling to her. But look, it's been a pleasure, bro. Pleasure talking to you. Um, great to be connected with you, and I, I, I wish you, wish you all the best. Thank you very much. Now it's been, it's been so much fun doing this, and like, you know, just, just to finish off, it is, it is that thing. Like, it's like you said, there's, there, there's not any British Asian wrestlers that you know of, but I've been lucky because, like, since I've started, there's, and you know, even before me as well, there's, there's, there's a growing number of British Asian wrestlers coming through in the system right, okay. now. And like, you know, they're all getting good just like everyone else. But like, you know, it's just like it's not just about being an inspiration to that because obviously that's where I'm from and that's what's close to me, but just as a general life thing for anyone out there that's like, you know, from whatever background you're from or whatever childhood or anything, you know, that's happened in your life, like you can go out and do these things and like if you feel it, like if you feel like you have a passion for it, like you're you're selling yourself short if you're not going for it. Like take the risk like you can do it in your 20s like take the risk do it take the plunge and as dumb as it seems because trust me half of my decisions seem really dumb at the time like but you look pretty high happy. risk high reward bro you gotta yeah. do it yeah you look happy you're smiling you got you know, you're not you got so you know that's 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 the most important that's the most important yeah. thing. brilliant talking to you bro thank you bro appreciate it